We're doing a series on, on end times. That's the times, believe it or not, friends, that's the times in which you have been chosen by God to live. And for the last few weeks, we've concentrated on looking at, at, at the signs. And Jesus very graciously gave us a lot of signs. He spelled them out. The, the disciples came after him. Apostles came after him one day and said, could you be more clear sort of thing? And, and he really was. He gave some concrete signs that we were to look for. He said that the gospel would go around the whole earth. And it has. That the Jews would return to their homeland. And they have. We know that there will be signs in, in, in the political systems. Signs financially upon the earth. And, and many other things. And to be honest, I'm, I'm staggered at the amount of prophecy now fulfilled. It is staggering. That if you sit down and work your way through it, I mean, we are surely at the end of this time. Now, let me just run through a few things. Financially, do we have signs? As I mentioned last week, we've just gone through a major recession. The world is still in it. But one of the leading banks on earth said this, that they do not believe <laughs> that that was it. They actually believe the next bit is the real crash, right? And that this was just a sort of a, a warning shock, right? And there's something much greater, a total collapse up ahead. And that would sort of tie in with the scriptures. A, a, a financial collapse around the world into which the Antichrist plays his card, amen? So there's definitely signs financially. Are there signs politically? Absolutely. The chance of a Palestinian Israeli peace deal have never been greater. And I can quote from some of the officials within Islam, as I mentioned yesterday on BBC News. One of the guys was being interviewed there and, and basically said there's a greater buzz within the Middle East now than there has ever been. Could I have the next list up, please? That there are signs financially, there are signs politically. There is a buzz in the Middle East that there will be a peace deal. As you know, as you live, Tony Blair, what's his job? Full-time peace envoy between the Palestinians and the Jews. Barack Obama, in that mix there, has caused a great deal of new hope to arise in the Middle East. And the stage politically is definitely set. The stage financially is set for the end times. And to say, we meant, I mean, we could talk a long time about ecology about the planet and about the things that God warned us would happen as the end times approached. I meant, just mentioned the ice caps this morning. But to me, these things are, are, are definite signs. Signs in astronomy, because Jesus said there would be signs in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. There are signs prophetically with the fulfillment of prophecy. As I say, 20%. Well, I think we're shrinking our 20%. They estimate about 20% of biblical prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. But that is diminishing at a rapid rate. I mean, day by day, amen. There are signs in the church, as I mentioned, all around you. You are a sign right here in the book of Revelation, last book, that he would gather together from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So we ourselves are actually a sign. And then, of course, there are, there are huge signs just by keeping an eye on the nation of Israel you can see that the end is definitely near. They reckon that there's greater anti-Semitism within Europe today 
than there has been any time since the Second World War. It is alive and kicking, and some believe it won't be very long before we start seeing the Jews getting heavily persecuted once again within Europe and being pushed out. All right? Oh, there's signs, all right. There's signs everywhere we look. And this morning we began just to, to think, what are the top 10 things, or 11 or 12, things that Jesus would tell us to be aware of in the last days? And do you know what the sad thing is? If you sit a believer down, I'm not saying this to put a guilt trip on you, right? It's just the truth, friends. If I sat you down without a Bible, with a blank piece of paper, and I said, write down 12 things that Jesus told an end times believer to be, would you get to two or three or four? True? It's terrible, isn't it? And so we must be loyal and faithful to what God has called us to be, which is end times witnesses, end times believers. So this morning we looked at, at, at the first five crucial steps. Make sure you're saved. And I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to myself. Make sure. That's what Peter tells me to do. Make sure of my salvation. Hold to it. Hold tight to your Lord. Right? Secondly, be aware, you've been warned, that false teachers are going to arise. I believe that's well and truly underway. And I won't go into any more detail than that. But I believe on this earth right now is a major move of wishy-washy false teaching that is getting immense credibility within the Christian world. And it's a bit of a tsunami. It's pulling in a lot of people, and I believe that will be part of what the Antichrist and the false prophet use to establish the harlot church in times to come. Thirdly, we saw that we must not be idle. We'll look at that again in a moment. We must be engaged in the last days. Wicked is the term used. Friends, wicked is the term used for those who are idle in the last days. That means those who are pursuing their own ends only. We know we've got jobs to do. We've got homes to run, families to raise. That's absolutely fine. No problem. But just make sure that your heart and your life is also engaged with the things of God. And, sick, and fifthly, we saw that, as Paul said, that he longed in the last days to be found in fellowship with Christ. And that involves your heart and what you actually care about, that you're caring about the same things that Jesus does. And that's why I, I love this church, because I love all the nationalities. I think that's God's will in the last days. It's to pull together an end times church. And that's something we can be part of and work to see happen. Amen? I'm going to go to point six tonight. So if you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Point six is that we should be watchers. That is, watching for the return of Christ. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 42. Matthew's Gospel, 24, 42. And this is Jesus talking. He says, 2442. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. So also you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. 
Now that's just one little, you know, passage there. But you can look again at Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Luke 21, where we're told again to watch. Luke 21, 36, we're told again to watch, to watch, to watch, to watch. And point six tonight on this list of, of 10 or 11 or 12 things that the Bible states for us is that you should be a watcher. See these things here. Friends, I don't care if you've never had an interest in finances in your life. Start to get one. You hear me? Start to get interested in the world economic systems because they pertain to you, right? They're in your scriptures, warnings about the finances in the last days. Maybe, you know, you've never had an interest in the whole political structures. You need to start to get one. You need to start to follow the news, right? And educate yourself as to what is going on in the world. Don't leave it to others, but you yourself get your finger on the pulse. Begin to gain understanding. If you've never cared about ecology or whatever, or kept an eye on astronomy, or been a student of prophecy, these things you need to start to do because you're an end times believer. One of the things the devil is extremely good at is hoaxes. Now, I grew up in a war zone, as you know. I, I grew up in the middle of Belfast, and it was, a, it was in some ways a, a dreadful childhood. We lived in 181 Clifton Park Avenue, Belfast, and six doors down was the Imperial Hotel, where my three brothers worked as barmen, right? And night after night, my brothers would come home because there was a bomb scare. The terrorists would ring up and say there's a bomb in the building, and the boys would come home, and the place had been shut, you know, night after night. And as the time went by and the months went by and the years went by, they began to get complacent, apathetic. The phone call would come through and people would finish their drinks. People wouldn't rush out. And this just would go on and on and on and on. You know what happened. Boom! The phone call comes through. Nobody moves. Heard it all before. And the devil is very good at hoaxes, you see. And I believe that one of the things in the last day will be a sense of apathy within the church. We're warned about it. In the last days, the love of many will grow cold. There will be scoffers around saying, Ha! Where is this coming you spoke off of the Lord? Everything continues. We read it this morning, right? Everything continues just as it has since the beginning. And hoaxes are a very, very effective way to put you to sleep and to cause you not to be mindful of all these signs. Don't fall for it. I hate sensationalism, you know, particularly concerning this subject. I prefer to just to stick right online with what the scriptures say and nothing outside of it. Now, you remember the year 2000. Do you remember what happened then? Y2K. And all the fuss about that. I hate that stuff, you know. I really do. They were talking about planes falling out of the air and the world was going to end. The thing that annoyed me about that was Christians were doing that. Many Christians jump on the bandwagon. And I just, you know, you can't find that in here. So it never came from me. I hate sensationalism like that. But part of that is a bit of a dupe, you see. And there will be many false starts. There will be many things like that. Don't fall for it. You concentrate on the biblical, you know, warnings that were being given, nothing else. Stick with your Bible. And all of these mentioned here, we can find in the Scriptures and we can also see in the world. 
So these are the first way that you can be a watcher. Jesus says, watch. How am I going to do that? Here. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to start to gain an interest. I'm going to start to study those areas and keep myself up to speed so that I actually know what's happening in the world. Like the sons of Issachar, being aware of the times in which I live. Secondly, and equally as importantly, you need to take some time aside, and I would say on a, on a daily basis, and you, start, you need to start to hear from God yourself. Right? Many people come to me, you know, especially in the last church I had, many, many people would come and say, have you got a word for me? <laughs> have you got a word for me? I don't like that, you know. I don't mind it now and again. But that's like me going, you know, Eileen, has Jeanette got anything to say to me? Could you, you know? There's something seriously wrong if I'm asking someone what my wife has got to say to me. There's a communication breakdown. And one of the things about, be about being a watcher is, yes, we watch world events, but also you yourself are going to have to start getting very close to God. Very close to God. So that you are here. Wh what was the last, don't answer this please, what was the last word you had from God? Crystal clear word from God, undisputable, that you know that was God. I know it. When was that? And if that is sometime, you begin to see the problem. You can't live like that in these days. You need to be very discerning of the voice of God because there's great turmoil coming upon the earth. We have been warned. Many voices coming after us. False teachers galore, scoffers, mockers. And we need to be able to go right through this time being sharp, hearing God for ourselves, knowing the truth. I used to work in, a, in a, a, a mental hospital for quite some time. And for five years of that time, I worked in a locked unit where there was about 30 men who had violent behavior, and they would make a lot of noise, an extreme amount of noise. I mean, it could drive you crazy when you go in there for the first time. You think, wow, how does anybody work in here? But from time to time, you know, you would take those men out one to one. And you would spend time with them. And many of the men had their own individual noise. You know, some of them would scream, some of them would shout, some of them, you know, all sorts of noises. But when you spent time with them one to one, you really got to know them. And you got to know their sounds and their noises. And after a while working there, sometimes new staff would come on, you know, and you'd walk into the ward with this cacophony of noise. And I would step in, bring in someone round, and I would say, David Chipling's missing. And they would go, how do you know who's missing in here? How can you tell? Because his noise is not there. Where is he? I say, how can you pick that out of that crowd? I'll tell you why. Because of one-to-one. -one. Because I spend time with David. And my ear is tuned to David. So no matter what other noises are going on, I know it when I'm hearing him. And I don't hear him right now. Where is he? And that's the type of one-to-one -one you, you must develop to get through the times that are ahead. There will be confusion in many, many camps. Part of that whole thing of the emergence of this, you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the harlot church will be very confusing for many. 
So I, 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 you know, encourage you, seek God, get alone with God, and start to develop your ear. Now, just a word of caution. <laughs> Watch what you listen to. If you're going to listen to junk music, please don't turn the same ear to God. If you're going to listen to gossip, then you're using your ear for evil speech. You're wasting your time, right? You need to turn from, it's a repentant act. You need to turn from all evil going in your ear, and then you turn that sanctified ear to God you will hear, believe me. No problem. God's very keen to speak. But there can be issues of judgment and all sorts of things. I always get worried when people are not hearing. Got a word for me? You need to be hearing from God, and all the more as the day approaches. All the more in, in these days in which we live. So, point six. Be a watcher. Even if you've never spent time studying these particular areas, you better start now. Because they're all around us and they're happening as we live. They're on your TV every day. Point seven is in the book of James. If you turn there, James chapter five. James chapter five and verses one to six. It's about money. And the Bible is very clear that we're not to hoard wealth in the last days. James chapter five. And verses 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people. Any rich people here? <laughs> now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the ministry that is coming, uh, because of the misery, sorry, that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and your moths have eaten your clothes. Look at that, your gold. <laughs> have you any idea the number of people who invest in gold as soon as the economy starts to rot? See? But end times. This is end times. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have what? Hoarded wealth in the last days. Hoarded wealth in the last days. Now, this is a, this, please listen to me because I don't want you to take these scriptures wrong. I, I understand what James is saying here. Don't overreact to that statement. Don't overreact to it. That's just childish. But at the same time, don't do nothing. You can't ignore that scripture. God is extremely reasonable. He says, come let us reason together. And when it comes to your finances, he is also extremely reasonable. There's, if, you, if your response to that scripture is to go and give everything you've got away you know, to the poor, where are you going to be tomorrow morning? At my house, yeah. <laughs> That, that doesn't work. And in fact, the, the Apostle Paul points this out. And he says, they, they, I mean, that, we, we don't want to be fed so that you're in need, and you don't want to be fed so that we're in need. That's not it. That's not going to work. And God is a blesser. This right through Scripture. He believes in prosperity. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. But this is, I mean, this particular passage here is concerning the hoarding of wealth for security. As the markets begin to topple, as your property price sinks, you know, people, some people will rush to gold, right? It's right there. Some people will do all sorts of things with their money and they'll start to accumulate and what God said, no way, stop that, that's wrong. I don't want you to do that. Your faith is not like that of the world, is it? Your hope is not in the same place the world is, is it? And that's what he's getting at. Another thing I would say about that passage is that it would, it would encourage me to get my finances 
into order. In fact, it, it, it's, it's point eight on your notes. Be a watcher. Don't hoard wealth. And also, because it's the last days, you need to watch your debt. Probably like never before. Okay? I don't know how much debt you're in, but let me tell you something. <laughs> if we could go back one generation, you know, would your grandparents have ever believed that you would be in so much debt? Would your great-grandparents ever have thought about the whole credit system that was going to happen? And it's only recent, friend. It's only recent. There's always been usury. There's always been debt and, you know, loans and interest. But what I'm talking about is the extent of it. It's absolutely huge. Look at me. One of the weapons of the devil in the end times is debt. It's a tool against the church. You see someone, they're here one week, gone the next, here one week, gone the next. You say, where are you? I'm working. But you work in the day. I work in the evening as well. Why do you work in the evening? I've got debt. Ah, debt is it? I see, got to work two jobs. And then it comes to something like a Passover offering or giving. And they, you see they don't give. Why don't you give? Oh, I haven't got any money. All my money's tied up in debts. And it's a warning, you see. It's a warning. Be careful. In the last days, one of the realms of the Antichrist meddling is in finances, number one. And so because of that, I don't want to be beholden to him. Right? The, sir, the, 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 the borrower is servant to the lender. And we've got to be careful about these banking systems. Man alive, does anybody trust the banks after these last few months? Not at all. I mean, it's totally and utterly corrupt beyond all belief. And you've got to be careful in these last days. All I'm saying, folks, is my take on James's words here, don't hoard wealth, my personal take, and you can have your own, that's fine, it's a big God out there. But my, my take is that I have got my finances into, in the order that I'm happy if Jesus Christ comes back tomorrow. Okay? And I would advise you to do the same. Now, that will be different for different people. You got some savings? Fine, no problem. It's not so he said, hey, you rich people, <laughs> don't hoard wealth. I mean, most of us here are not going to be in that category anyway. Remember, the righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children. There's nothing wrong with you having savings. Okay? Don't overreact to what's being said here. Personally, we don't have any savings. We've given all our money away again. Right? And I've done this many times. I thank God for you, Jeanette, because she never, ever ever has stood in my way with some seemingly mad things that we do. <laughs> but because I, how, how can I talk to you and say to you to get ready, say to you to make an offering if I'm not going to do it myself? But it's, this is all. I'm not telling you to do that. But personally, I want to be ready to go up. <laughs> and for me, that, 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 that involves keeping very short accounts and in, you know, getting my stuff out there into the world where it's in the field and it can produce a crop in these last days. That doesn't mean you, you don't, you know, you, if you've got savings, that's fine. I don't think God's getting at that at all. Nor is God actually against debt. Not all debt. He was, all, he was never against all debt. He was always against long-term debt. Okay, that's why the Jews had their system given by God, which was a seven-year system. So every seven years was the year of canceling debts. And I can testify to you personally Listen to this if you want to get your finances in order. This, this is what happened to us. We were in, in, in great debt. 
and we sought God and prayed to God and we discovered that principle of the seven years of canceling debts, that it was, a, it was something in God's heart and asked God to give us a way to get free, you know, to be free financially. And I've told you the story before. We had a miracle. God answered our prayer, sitting, having lunch. When I got a word, Jeanette got the same word, and we ended up getting debt free <laughs> through a person that we met that day. God met his own word that he wanted a seven-year cycle, and we were complete in five, debt free in five. All I'm, look, what I'm saying is this. Many believers say that God's against mortgages. Have you heard that? I don't believe that. I, 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 hey, avoid mortgages if you can avoid it because that's a lot of debt. But nonetheless, it is the system. God did honor certain ways of debt. If you can get out of your mortgage, get out of it now. Amen? But I'm not saying that God is strictly against that. What I am saying and what I believe the Bible says is he says to you, get a plan and get out of it as quickly as possible. He was against the long-term debt because then you're paying back enormous amounts of money and that's not what it's about. Unfortunately, that's the, it's a bit like tax. It's the system of the world. It's the system that we live in. So if, as I say, if you, the word mortgage is a French word. It's mortgage, death grip. Ugh. Anybody want a mortgage? <laughs> it's the word for a hangman's noose. That's what it is. And it's a bit like that sometimes, isn't it? So be careful around this area. All I'm saying is don't overreact to that scriptures because that's just immature. If you're in debt, get out of it as quickly as you can. And because of the, 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 the terrible situations in the, in the world at the moment, be very careful. You're better, you know, just staying away from that at the moment, amen, because it's a, it's a terrible market and trepidatious system out there. Be a watcher. Don't hoard wealth. Watch your debt. And beautifully, be evangelistic. And if you turn to, actually, Matthew chapter 20, that same scripture we were in this morning, this is probably my favorite end-time scripture. I love this parable because I, I can find myself in it, and it, it's something God has done for me. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a, land own, a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a, a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others still standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and he did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, I believe this is prophetic, this is Christ in the world looking for workers in the last day's harvest field. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found others still standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they said. And he said to them, you also, that's you, you also go and work in my field. And when the evening came, you know the end of the story, he went on to pay them handsomely. That to me is just a huge, huge encouragement. Don't put your hands up. But experience tells me not to go by people's faces. And you can come here tonight and you can have a big smile and you can slap everybody on the back. But I know well enough how many believers feel. They feel that they've missed it. That other people found God. Other people found their track in life. But me, don't tell anybody. I smile. I raise my hands, but guess what? 
I missed it. I missed it. This happened. That happened. I took this road. And because of that, now I'm sort of disenfranchised in the kingdom. And the kingdom of God, this laborers in the village, it's other people. And Jesus, to, I mean, to my shock here, Jesus comes along to his church in the last days and the people are idle, standing around looking to be hired. What, there was some professionalism, was there? You had to be full-time staff, was it? Looking to be hired, were you? Don't fall for it. This is a huge encouragement. And I can tell you from someone, I, I, I've shared this with some of you before. I mean, sometimes when people stand up, up in a pulpit, you can think they've got it all right. You think, oh, look, I mean, he's okay. You must be joking. Friends, as I look back over my Christian life, and I'm probably more productive now than I've ever been in my life, right? I mean, in terms of the kingdom. But I can tell you the truth. It wasn't always that way. And I, I reached a very, very, very low place where I was completely and utterly idle with nothing to do, completely disenfranchised in the kingdom. Oh, I had a smile on my face. And I was in church every Sunday. But I felt that this great kingdom that was being built out there by my God was being built by others and not actually by me because I had taken a few wrong turns in my life. And I ended up on a factory line. Jaguar. Car engine. Crying and forcing my tears day after day. And I just didn't know what had gone wrong or what had... Jeanette will, will tell you, they were, it was a terrible year, that particular year for me. I was out of everything. And I secretly talked to God. And I said this. I'm not advising you to do this, but this is what I did. It was the year 2000. And it was, I don't know, about February or something like that. And I felt I'd lost my way. Idle. In the last days, imagine being idle. And I said to God, Lord, if I don't hear from you for a calling and a mission in life, I'll say by the end of this year, which was the 31st of December, if I don't hear from you, a clear calling, I'm just going to go back to social service. I'm going to go back where I came from. Remember Peter said, I'll go back and fish. I'm just going to, this is after nearly 10 years full-time ministry. So I'm on that factory line. March, April, May, June, July, August, November. Does August get, does November come after August? <laughs> September, <laughs> November. Thank you. <laughs> and December comes. And I've given up all hope. It's over. That's it. What am I going to do now then? <laughs> Back to social work. Here we go. And it's the last day of the year. It's the 31st of December. And I just happened to check my email. And I get an email from Pastor Rick Seward. Never had an email before in my life. And it says this, God has just spoken to me and I've got something for you to do. And he said a very unusual thing at the end of it. He said, you might not agree, but if you disobey me on this, Michael, you are wrong because I know I've heard from God. Well, I screamed, get it! <laughs> Give me up! There it is. I was idle 
in the last days. God doesn't want anyone. Look at the frustration. He comes back again. What are you guys doing nothing for? Come on. And then we come here. And we're, I mean, on your own, you can do nothing. You know that? We're never made to be like that. We're made to be together. We're made to work as a team. And here we are here, and the church is this, that, and the other, and it's growing, but I know we can't make it. I know I can't make it. Put it like that. I know I can't do whatever needs to be done. I'm a bit confused. One day, I get a phone call to go to Postle Park. Walk into Postle Park, and I'm sitting, talking to Paul Scarf, and I look across, and I see that man there, Pastor Tom. And I didn't want to just keep staring at him, you know? <laughs> because something, something, a bit like when Jesus saw Nathaniel, you know, something just went boom inside. I thought, that's him. That's him. And on my own, I'm not going to do much. Probably not a lot. <laughs> and on his own, he's probably not going to do very much. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> but together, together, you can move mountains. Amen? Amen. And so I got my email setting me free. And wasn't very long. I said to Pastor Tom, you know what? You need to, we need to get together. We need to work together. And for all I'm saying, folks, is if you feel tough in the grove, wouldn't it? Kind of feel like you're not producing. Kind of feel like everybody else is developing the kingdom, and you're not. And they're very, I mean, I know, that, I know your lives, friends, and I know some of you can feel on the periphery, well, you're exactly the person to whom God is speaking right here. Idle in the last days. And you don't need to be. Not only does he hire them, he gives them equal wages with everybody else to their fury, right? <laughs> they didn't like that bit. You can not only come in, but he repays the years that the locusts have eaten. He makes up the gap, and you can start right now. You can start tonight. So stop getting negative in your mind. You can, everybody here can do something. There's a multitude of ministries. You can go out in the street and testify to your faith. Someone there that God has that that person will accept you. Someone there that your testimony will win them through. You can go with the elderly, with Isabel here, and go out and reach. That's a, a beautiful ministry. You can look in the place you work. You can look at your university, at your neighbors. But all I'm saying, folks, there is no need for any one of us to be idle in the last days. doesn't mean you have to give up your work. I'm not saying that. Amen. Just get on with our work. But it means we need to engage in the kingdom more seriously than ever. So be a watcher. Don't hoard wealth, but don't be extreme about that. Watch your debts. Try and get out of it. If you can, get out of it as soon as possible. Be evangelistic. And point 10 there. We're going to have to pray like we've never prayed before. And I think Friday night was a good example of that. I felt the the, 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 just the spirit in here was fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Real end times praying right there. But why do, why, I mean, well, Jesus says watch and pray in the last days. So watching is one thing and praying is another. Praying is an end times believer. And why do you need to pray? Well, you need to pray because in your prayer life, that's where you get protected from all kinds of trouble. Trouble that come on other people doesn't come on you because you were aware of it you were tuned in to God and I was thinking back over the years you know 
of just a few little examples of people who prayed and got it out. Think of my mother. And I was there for this one. <laughs> I was sitting, I was probably, I don't know, about 15 or 16 years old. And my mum and dad and me, that was it. I was watching Coronation Street. And my mother was knitting. <laughs> knitting away there. And then, boom, out of the blue. Knitting up, down, stood up. There's something wrong with Patricia. Or my sister, schizophrenia. There's something wrong with Patricia. We've got to go. And I saw that panic. I've never seen it before or since. Got the phone. Got my other sister. Come over here. No. Yes, you are. Come over here. Got over there. Got one of my brothers. Kicked the door in. My sister took an overdose. She was in the bath. Trouble averted. A life saved. Why? Because my mum was a prayer. And the trouble was saved. One day I'm driving down the road. I'm doing, going a little bit too fast. Going about 45 miles an hour down Double Park Street. And I get clear word. Slow down and it's God. And I put my foot in the brake. I think, okay. Little boy runs across the street. Trouble averted because you're praying and you're hearing and you see all these accidents and things that happen. You see, if only we were listening. So all the more important to pray in the last days. Remember, we were going to our drop-in center in Ireland and I'm walking down. It's a normal day, but I get a word from God. God spoke to me. Today is going to be a bad day. Now, when God tells you it's going to be a bad day, so I went into that place. In came, that was probably the worst day that we had. They were throwing chairs. They were fighting. It was crazy mayhem in that drop-in center. And when it closed and when it finished, I locked the door. And Jeanette turned to me and said, Wow, you controlled yourself well. Ah. <laughs> I had a warning. I was praying. And God made me aware of the trouble that was up ahead. And when Jesus says to end times believers, therefore, watch and pray, please, friends, take it seriously. Because what he's talking about is you being in tune with God like you've never been before. You being able to hear from him and follow that. You know, one of my sisters, she was attending a, a church in London. And she's on a bus going to the airport. She's going to fly home and see my mom. She's on a bus, she's traveling through London, and she just feels to get off the bus. She had a flexible ticket for the plane to Ireland. She feels to get off the bus and go and visit another sister that we also have in London. So she follows her gut, gets off the bus. The plane crashes into the motorway with 45 people killed. Listening, praying, in tune with God, and avoiding the trouble. Now, great trouble is coming upon the earth. Great, great trouble. Tribulation, the Bible calls it. And Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch all these things so that you're not unaware of what's going on around you. And pray so that you're able to sidestep the issues that are coming upon others. They'll fall to your left, fall to your right. But you will stand if you watch and pray. Right? like never before, start to tune your ear and, you know, remain in prayer at all times. Fast, pray, seek his face and get that voice back into your life. Point 11, be ready as Pastor Tom shared on Friday night in here. Do whatever you need to do to make your life ready, right? 
Many of you will remember Zhang Wei and Ziyin when they were there. He was a, when, when they were here, he was a pathologist. And, and I never forget, I was out for a cup of coffee with him one day, and I was talking to him about his job. I thought it was an awful job, cutting up bodies all day. I said, you must have learned some stuff in that job, man. And I remember he was, he was quite a reflective individual. He, he was quite pensive sometimes. And wherever we were, I think we were over in Tinderbox, and he was looking out the window. I remember what he said. I never forgot it. He said, you see all the people? There's all the people walking up and down the street. He said, you know the mistake they make? <laughs> they think that you're born and you live, and then when you get old, you die. That's what they think. But that's not it. If they did my job, they would realize you're born and you can die anytime. Because all day, every day, they wheel in the bodies. All ages, all colors, all nationalities, all manner of deaths. And what these people don't realize is, you need, I mean, you need to be ready, right? What these people don't realize is any day, any time, any place, it's the end of the world for you. For you, because you can die. You see? By the way, if you're going to be here next Sunday night for definite, would you put your hand up, please? You don't know that. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. <laughs> but you don't know that. You don't know that. You cannot be sure. <laughs> One day at a time. <laughs> One day at a time. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Praise the Lord. Some of you fell for it. <laughs> okay? Watch and pray and be ready. Be ready. Be ready to go up tonight. Be ready that if the rapture was tomorrow that you're ready to go. Amen. Point 12, and I'm nearly done. And this is an important one. Do not be afraid. Right? Jesus says that. Don't be afraid. And some people have come to me over the last few days with a little bit of fear about this or fear about that. You know, you don't need to be afraid of the Antichrist. You need to fear God with a holy fear. And then you've got no need to fear the Antichrist or the devil. And God constantly, what was it, 365 times says to you, do not fear. Don't fear. And when you hear all these things, you can start to get worried, start to get concerned. But Jesus says, do not. Don't do that. Do not fear. Anyway, by the way, the Antichrist doesn't have control over the whole world. Only Europe. And the rest of the world fight him. Right? That's why there's wars going on. That's why there's a great, remember the arrows? Coming in from the different parts of the world. So he doesn't have total power around the earth. He never has. God gives him a degree of power to achieve his own ends. I mean, God's end, right? To bring this whole thing to a conclusion. Don't fear. And lastly, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, I was a professional worrier in my time. You don't need to worry either. Jesus, in fact, in the context of end times, says that three times. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. Amen? So please, write that list down. I put, didn't put it on your notes. I will in maybe coming weeks. And start to, to, to change how we perceive the world. Start to keep your eye on the ball. Follow the political systems, the financial systems. It's very easy to do. In our current media, you know, run world, you can do that from home. Okay? Praise the Lord. Just invite the worship team back.